Welcome to the Keel Hauled Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today. So, tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you get yourselves a good weekend, a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we have uh, a podcast from Sea of Thieves themselves to cover to talk about some of the retrospective that they got as a result of the latest trailers. Also, their thoughts on Lost Sands, Mysteries, and where the story is going to be going in the future. So, there's not too much outside of that but I did want to bring up one thing that came as a result of this week which was the NAL the Notorious Arena League uh, has shut down their services they are no longer going to be uh, hosting or sponsoring any kind of arenas uh, with custom servers things like that so we're going to be diving into a little bit about their words and why that's kind of a bummer for Sea of Thieves in general all that more in this week's episode of Keel Hauled Podcast but before we get into any of that, I have to thank the patrons. They are the ones that are supporting the podcast just like you can if you head over to patreon.com forward slash keelhauled podcast. So thank you to People's Republic, Elcute, Balls, Bam Bam Bagel, Slum, Captain Hasco, Chateau Neuf, Zombie Killer, Cloud, Cosmic Johnson, Davram TV, El Jefe Esteban, Frigatron, Trickster, Jabaro5, Kazia the Rogue, Lumpy SRQ, Alcarian Darth, Dub Dub Goose, Evil Morpheus, Xbox Mike 29, Murphy Lives, Mutinous Max, Raja the Brave, Registella, Rust Belt Kid, Norwegian, Skinny Matt, Scum Melt 666, Tarnished Film, That Kilted Guy, TN Professor, Real Big Tuna, Big Bad Pad, Mina Fairy, Super Pack, Music Me, The Lore Chronologist, Dead Eye Dre, Ghost Boy 20, Evil Martha, Peter Miller, Ruski Doo, Straw Hat Connor, Thor Von Blitz, Windsor Chris, and Zam. Wow. Thank you all so much for your support. It means the world to me. It really does. And it helps a ton. So thank you so much. And let's get into the episode. <laughs> So let's jump into the uh, Captains of Adventure, the podcast that came out. This is episode eight. They come every eight weeks or you know, excuse me, five weeks. They come out every five weeks. This is the eighth episode that they've put out. Uh, it has been a full year since they have started up the Sea uh, of Thieves podcast, and it's great to have these. Um, it's nice to know that they are coming on a regular cadence now and that you can expect a little, a little bit of the behind the scenes of what's going on. Obviously, given that they are taking place before content comes out, uh, they're having to speak to some sort of degree where they know that at a certain point this is going to get released. They can say up to a certain stuff, but they don't want to. They don't want to uh, talk too much in case people have kind of missed out on the content and they don't want to spoil things. So uh, a lot of what they talked about in this episode was more retrospective. Uh, and it really kind of started off with the Captains of Adventure trailer, the Xbox Bethesda Showcase. They just came off of that as well as the uh, Lost Sands uh, reveal stream where they they showed that Golden Sands was being saved uh, when they sat down to record this. Um, so it was kind of interesting to find out that this is uh, close to the, the beginning of Ju July and this was recorded um, shortly after the middle of uh, June. So I... I liked what they talked about, how they were first kind of talking about the trailer. And one of the big takeaways that I got from this was is that they wanted to have the trailer uh, be a thing that you took away from the Xbox Bethesda showcase that stood out differently from the rest of the show and that they really didn't have a whole lot of time to really talk about this. Uh, so originally they were planning on doing just a normal trailer with some narration covering the different points of captaincy in Captains of Adventure. And as they were kind of toying around with that idea, Paul Cunningham uh, decided to suggest that it was going to be a uh, song and that they jumped on that opportunity. So uh, John McFarlane, uh, or excuse me, John McMurtry, not McFarlane, McFarlane's the one that's head of community engagement. Uh, um, John McMurtry and Mike Chapman and Chris Davies went and uh, started working on lyrics, if I recall, who was involved with it. Uh, and they started to kind of, you know, hammer out some of the, the things that they wanted to do, some of the, the things that they wanted to uh, get across in the actual trailer. Then they went and they went to Robin Beanland, who uh, worked probably really hard to try and come up with a really catchy tune to try and make it uh, interesting enough of a song that you would get kind of that earworm, that, that the earwigger 
you're, you're no, you're, you're, you're warm. That would kind of keep you uh, humming it in the background as you were thinking about it. And it really did work. It's a great song. In fact, it's probably one of my favorite songs uh, next to the loading screen song. That is uh, when you're loading into Seathies, it doesn't happen quite as much as it used to with the Series X or fast uh, servers or no, uh, hard drives. You don't really hear like the full song of the load screen as much, um, but it's one of my favorites uh, all, all the way back to when I was playing the scale tests and you would have to log in and then it would authenticate for a very long time. You never were quite sure if you were actually going to get in, uh, but you could listen to that music and that music is is something that I like. I have fond memories of like jumping into the scale test uh, when hearing that song and, and, and when you're loading in and stuff. So I really appreciate it. Um when they finally kind of came out to uh, to kind of showcase the song, uh, the first go around, it was kind of interesting because they weren't quite sure it would hit. And I'm surprised by that because they usually have a lot more confidence going into those, uh, but they weren't quite sure if this would go over well. Uh, it did end up going over really well, and I'm really glad they decided to do it because I think it's probably one of the better uh, trailers that they've done that didn't, in their words, showcase a new area or a new monster or anything like that this was just a captaincy update something they've been working on since 2018 uh well not like actively working on but something they've desired to work on since 2018 so i'm really glad that they got a chance to do that so let's dive into lost sands which was the next topic that they brought up in the actual podcast uh they joe adamantly says that it was rigged i 100 agree with him in this case uh and it looks like they enjoyed the fact that people were picking sides and getting emotionally invested and that the changes to Golden Sands will be significant, but not for the next several months uh, as they continue to work on it, and that there will be another community decision, uh, so maybe there's going to be probably about two a year from what we're thinking. The question came up about how uh, players or how they felt about the fact that there were different mechanics for each side with Reapers. You were delivering crates on rowboats uh, with uh, the saving uh, with Merrick and the, the hunters and stuff. You were uh, getting different merchant items and bringing those to Golden Sands and They've decided that they uh, are thinking they want to, or they, they haven't decided, but they're thinking about going with a more symmetrical approach for future choices to make sure that it still fits the theme, but at least feels a little more fair uh, so that you aren't feeling like you're doing something you don't want to do uh, for the side that you want to support. And I think that's a great way to approach this. I think that it's a smart way to uh, look at it in the future and decide, you know, if you want this to be something that is uh, based around the decision that people want to have, then you want to make sure that each side is is uh, done so that it, it feels like you're not having to do anything too drastically different than the other side. And I do hope that they make this something that you get both rewards if you decide for uh, one side or the other and that you just get uh, credit for the completion of the actual choice, not forcing people to do both sides of it, uh, especially if we aren't going to know too much in the future about what the impact will be. And that impact will be something that comes over the next six months. I did really appreciate the conversation around the live changes that were actually going on before that happened, before they uh, had kind of announced what had been going on with Golden Sands, whether it was going to be saved or destroyed. And they're actually calling this the story service uh, or a service that is, is dedicated to the story for Sea of Thieves. It's a new system that allows them to change the world based on things that are happening, different qualifiers that are happening around community engagement or adventures, things like that. And even the mystery. And I really like this. I like the idea of it. It's uh, it, it's kind of like when we were playing World of Warcraft or when I was playing World of Warcraft, there was a system that they brought in with, um, gosh, I want to say it was wrath of the lich king and it was uh the difference of shards uh they had different layers that would happen and as you progress through the quest or a quest line uh the world would change this really happened in i would say cataclysm is when they really started to kind of implement this and uh as you completed quests you would come back to different areas and those areas would have dynamically changed on the world or in the world based on where you were within the story 
Now, the way Sea of Thieves is doing this is way different. They are doing live changes that are happening as the world evolves. This isn't something that is uh, leaving some people in different parts of uh, the world that are not progressed based on where they're at with the adventure. No, everything's changed at once and it's changing in real time. And that's something that I have yet to see in other games, uh, a way to kind of express real world change in the game uh, to two different islands or things like that. Uh, we've we've seen this already with uh, the, the fog lifting from Golden Sands after the announcement of it being saved. We've seen this with uh, the notes showing up the footprints on sea dogs rest with the mystery things like that and it's it's amazing it's a really it really does kind of lean into the thing that i was searching for uh when i was talking to mike last time he was on the show about the world feeling static uh and stagnant and them wanting to bring more life to the game uh we didn't know it at the time that mysteries and adventures were what those were going to be um if i had to had to kind of add anything to this i would say that i'm still hoping for some sort of design where we get something that's kind of like what we're seeing with adventure five uh in spoilers for adventure five at the very end there are two characters that show up and what happens in that adventure that cinematic that takes part in game is something that really made the world feel alive i felt like bell had showed up at that uh, moment she jumped off her buoy she was on the dock she was uh interacting and communicating with amarantha and amarantha was was communicating and reacting back and then she uh was in our world and then traversed into the sea of the damned where we saw a portal of what was going on there it was dynamic it was something that was going on in the actual game it wasn't a cutscene. uh i see a lot of cutscenes with games where you get to a story point and it opens up into a cinematic the cinematic is a lot more uh curated a lot more well designed and planned and your character is the there but you have no uh control over it you are just watching the actual uh event happen whereas this is taking place in the world um while i think that is great and i love it and i think that they progress for that uh i would err on the caution or i would caution them to be careful about where they have these events happen uh and have them maybe ble maybe happen in different areas from time to time uh because one of the main concerns that i've seen with adventure 5 is griefing people are knowing where people are going to go for these uh or other people are know where people will end up having to go for these adventures if they realize what they're working on and they will try to lie in wait and disrupt the event that's going on in the actual game and that really detracts from some of that that uh that kind of interesting interplay with having story being delivered dynamically in the game like real world or real time uh without it being a cutscene. so i i like it and and i think that's the way they should go with some of this um but with this system one of the things that i think is kind of a shame and they talk about this a little bit later on as they're talking about uh, uh how adventure 5 is is the most like a tall tale that they've ever had and i would agree with that but it is a shame that adventure 5 is a two-week event that if players who are not quite familiar or strong enough to uh, be able to feel like they can immerse themselves in the adventures are going to miss out on this they're going to miss out on the story in the relevance or they may come into it with missing other parts of the adventures in the past half a year uh, and not understand the context of what's going on and while you can have as many of the cinematics uh, up front or uh, uh, you know posts on the website that kind of break down what's what the story is so far nothing is quite the same as experiencing it in game and that is where i feel like tall tales really serve a purpose uh tall tales in in sea of thieves do the job of curating a story-like experience for people that they can replay on demand and be able to go through the world and the history of it when they get into sea of thieves because as far as they know when they first get into the game that is the start of time for them and the tall tales that first came in uh back during the anniversary update have 
have no time relevance to them. They don't know what's going on afterwards and they won't realize it uh, that things have already happened in the game until after they've already completed all of those tall tales. So it's a nice way to kind of have things locked in time so that people can experience them on their own thing. If you look at games like Destiny, they've removed a large portion of their past content, much to the chagrin of the other players that liked having that content present. I myself missed out on a lot of story, a lot of history for Destiny because they removed a lot of it. I got to play through a lot of the campaigns, but because I wasn't there, I always missed the relevance, the importance of the characters, the dynamic uh, nature between different characters, why it was so sad to lose Cade, what importance did it have uh, with um, Ulrich or, or Ulrich, I can't remember his name right now, because he's just called a crow. Uh, but those points were lost on me because I came into the story so late in the game that I'm having to play a, play catch up through videos on YouTube that people were able to capture and upload from past events, from past seasons. And while Sea of Thieves is doing a great job, the community is doing a great job of doing a very similar thing by being able to record through the different adventures and put those up online. And Sea of Thieves is planning on having, Rare is planning on having the cinematics uh, available on their YouTube channel with write-ups kind of explaining the story so far. It, always comes back to the idea that it's not quite the same if you can't actually enjoy it as it's happening and that's something that the the adventures are losing out on that the tall tales could serve as a purpose so i always wonder like if you could have adventures be something that is released live interact with it enjoy it get the story from it but once the adventure is done have something that kind of gives you that adventure or those adventures, multiple adventures, since there happens to be like a three cadence to this, there's an opening, a climax and an ending, have those built out as tall tales, something that would be able to be put in the game at a later time that would then take people through the story with each adventure tall tale and have each adventure like the first one being uh, shrouded isles and have that take you all the way to shrouded deep as a tall tale with checkpoints then have the second one with the forsaken uh island and in the forsaken hunter and saving golden sands and lost sands and stuff have people go through that process as a tall tale with checkpoints and that way you were still kind of honoring the past you're giving players access to the history of the world uh and and give them an opportunity to do that now i it's easy for me to sit here and say hey do this it's armchair development i don't have to worry about the money the time the energy the the manpower the 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 dev time that it's going to require uh the complications with that in in a world that is ever evolving i don't have to worry about that i get to say sit here and say this is what they should do uh to try and make sure that people aren't lost with uh the story when they get to the point that they are in the game and they're seeing what's going on with current relevant stuff at the moment so I 100% fully understand that there's a very unlikely chance that this is actually going to happen. And I'm sure based on the information that they've given us, that they plan on using NPCs in the game as a way to play catch up. The relevancy of those characters needs to be uh, really kind of showcased. You really like they mentioned Umbra is someone who logs a lot of the adventures that's going on in Sea of Thieves, but it is not her or uh, the the narrator or John McMurtry's pirate in the trailer for Captains of Adventure being the one that tells us the story of what's going on so i hope that it's not something that is relegated to uh, one or two people in sea of thieves that may get lost in the woodwork of what's going on i hope this is something and Mike, Mike knows I, I probably feel this way about it, but I hope that this is something that it is the conversations that are happening in taverns with pirates that are talking about a story. And if you want to know the story, you can sit down and talk to them and they'll regale you of the tale of, oh, you, you weren't here, but welcome to the Sea of Thieves. You, you may not understand the history of the new Golden Sands outpost. So let's talk about that. And they'll sit there and they'll have a nice little narrated dialogue that will tell you about what's going on. And people can come and go if they want and they can sit down and you can talk to pirates in 
the actual taverns and hear the stories of the different adventures and have them tell the tales so that it's not put upon the older uh, people that have been in the Sea of Thieves for a while to make YouTube videos, to make podcasts, to do streams, to try and tell those stories. Like those stories are great, but they're so lore uh, centric that it would be better to have it as something that is told by the actual NPC. So I'm hoping that they do something like that, that something in 100% Blind Bob is someone that is underutilized in, in the game. And I would not be surprised and I would be very happy if Blind Bob got a little more relevance than the random Sea of Thieves jokes uh, that he has down in the Pirate Legend Tavern. Um, before the game was coming out, there was someone who had a birthday in the forums and they released a video of Blind Bob. Now, there was no narration at the time, but the story that he told was one of the Kraken and telling us who the Kraken was or what the Kraken was, what it did to a ship, what it cost. And it, and it instilled a sense of fear in you uh, when you read it because you weren't sure what the Kraken was, what it was capable of. And that was kind of the air, the, the mystery uh, around the Kraken at launch. Ahoy there, pirates. This is the ad for this episode, and I did want to let you know if you wanted to avoid these and just get a regular filler, you can head over to the Patreon. There's a special feed just for patrons that get the ad-free version. If you want to keep listening, though, I can't say I blame you because this week I want to let you know about Loot Crate and getting 15% off of most crates and crate subscriptions when you use the link and code ROBOTSRADIO in the show notes. Also, you can head over to audiobooks.com, get your first three audiobooks for free, and that can include any to VIP books or use the affiliate link for Green Man Gaming. If you're a PC gamer, you'd like to save money on games. It's one of the benefit of being a PC gamer. Head over to Green Man Gaming. You can get codes for Steam, Epic, any of the different stores that they have deals going on. They have deals going on all the time. And if you plan on buying there, please consider using our affiliate link. All of that goes straight to me through the network. Thank you all so much for everything that you do to support this podcast. It means the world to me and i continue to try and improve the quality and the content for you with that pirates let's get back to the show So we've talked about uh, the mysteries and catching up. We've talked a little bit about uh, adventures and stuff like that. I wanted to talk about the cinematic trailers that they touched on in this podcast. Uh, they love, and I really love them, using trailers as a way to build up the lore around the adventures. Uh, they did mention that there are going to be a planned 12 trailers per year, uh, and that, they, that kind of speaks to them having at least 12 adventures. And we're already up to five right now so you can expect another uh six or seven hopefully within a year's time frame not necessarily just within 2022 but at least within the next year hopefully uh we'll have 12 adventures that they are, are commissioning from real time to uh, be able to have these done uh i i really like that they are willing to spend the money on this it was something again that i talked about um gosh a long time ago how i missed the cinematic trailers at e3 how those were the announcements for the upcoming expansions to the game uh with forsaken shores curse sales and then uh shrouded spoils which i think no was was shrouded spoils the last one what was the last one no we had oh oh i'm thinking um because we had two and before that it was the hungering deep shrouded spoils was never uh was never actually uh in that thing um and, and I, I loved in the video, too, you actually had that little muted bit that, that uh, John McFarley or McFarlane was talking about where um, he was kind of letting on more information. They had to they had to mute that audio, uh, which I tried rip leading or lip reading. I'm not really good at it, uh, but it, it definitely felt like a false snails moment. If you if you get the reference, you get the reference there. But uh, I love that that little thing there. But I'm glad that Sea of Thieves, I'm glad that Rare is willing to spend the money on these. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like there's a big return on this, uh, but given that this game is a real-time game that is a shared world experience, that it is ever-evolving, all the, the marketing terms you can think of to explain about how this game is, is constantly changing, the trailers really do give us a, a snapshot of what's going on in the world at that time. And even if you may not understand the context because it is alluding to an adventure that we have yet to play, it still sets up the 
premise of these are the characters in play and these are the stakes involved. And I do appreciate that. They did touch on one thing that came as a result of all of this, which was the next decision point is supposedly going to be amazing. And I'm very interested to hear what people think about this. Uh, I personally think it's going to be um, something that leads to the to the resolution with Merrick and the Sea of the Damned. Um, I think we are going to have to make a decision between stopping the Reapers or stopping the Brethren Court uh, and that people will have to pick a side or it will have to deal with Duke and Merrick and having to make a choice about saving one of them because so many people still really love Duke. Uh, they're very bummed that he's a bad guy. They never saw it coming. Uh, and a lot of people are very tied to Merrick. They want him back over at Steven Spoils so that you can turn in fruit, uh, no, not fruit, meat there, uh, and fish there to be able to get credit for those those commendations. Um, so I would imagine that it would come down to uh, between two people that it is a matter of killing one or saving the other and it comes down to you know which one are you going to do and i think duke is a good enough person uh that people would want him to be redeemed uh so many people really liked duke and they and having his redemption would be something that would be desirable but at the same time people have been built up to like merrick or at least to be associated with merrick when it comes to things tied to the pirate lord and bell so there's already uh, cogs in the in the machine that are turning that are pumping us up to really love Merrick and give us a reason to care about Merrick. So I wouldn't be surprised if they use that as kind of your pivot point. Uh, do you save Merrick? Do you kill Duke? And have it be a choice between the two. You either save one or save the other. And that kind of a community decision would be very interesting because it would then determine the fate of one of the main characters in Sea of Thieves, which I will say after watching Stranger Things, there is a lot of plot armor that I think gets tied to main characters. And while I appreciate the desire to want to have people uh, not lose their favorite character, uh, something I, I had to deal with when I was going through Game of Thrones until the last couple seasons and then I, I quit on it, uh, was that certain characters you learn to love and everyone has their own but losing those characters can be really tough but sometimes you can have really great moments in a storytelling experience if you go that far and i always say that if you if you're willing to kill off one of your main characters then you're willing to bring in someone new and trust that your audience will fall in love with them the same way that they fell in love with your original character so never be afraid to kill off someone that people love for the sake of pushing the story forward uh you can always do that and there's many ways that you can do that without necessarily killing off people but if indie games have taught me anything it's either kill off someone to invoke a sense of emotion or uh, go safe and go with mechanics. And in this case, I say it's totally fine for us to kill someone off, whether it be Merrick or whether it be Duke. I think it'll be a great experience either way. I think it'll be an emotional experience either way. And I think it's definitely one of those things that would be a, a hot button topic between the community. Alright, so the last thing I wanted to talk about with the podcast episode was captaincy. They kind of recapped captaincy and some of the things that you can expect without going into too many details. Obviously, it's a couple weeks away right now, so I expect this week to be one of the weeks that they start ramping up more information about what you can expect with actual captaincy. But from this, they kind of told us some of the stuff that we already knew, as well as a little bit of stuff that maybe didn't quite get quite as emphasized as they would have liked with the trailer uh, but we know that we're going to be naming our ship we know that our ships are going to be on the crests we know that those uh crests will have a 20 uh 20 character limit if i recall um and that we're going to be getting new interiors the new interiors are going to be interesting i'm kind of wondering how that's going to work with the uh with the sloop the sloop has probably the least amount of uh customization possible given that there really isn't a whole lot there you've got like a captain's table and uh, a shelf a couple shelves uh, to put trinkets on um, but there's not really a whole lot there that you can really change up um, if I think about the actual sloop you've got the the map table the shelving unit that they have in there which I'm assuming is going to be for those 
uh the ship logs or um the the captain voyages like that's kind of because each one if you look at each one each one has like a different color theme to it each of the color themes really does kind of represent some of the different trade companies so i wouldn't be surprised if they're if if the captains I mean, the captain's voyages are probably going to have to tie to the different factions I don't know. I'm still not quite sure on how this is all going to work out, but um, that's something that could probably change the little shelf unit there. Uh, then you've got the captain's table. You've got the I don't think the I don't think the covers for the windows are going to change. I don't think anything like that's going to happen. You have the um, uh, the curtain, which it's always been the uh, the insider curtains or the, uh, the I can't think of what they were, but it, it's always had the same image of it and they, they had it switched over at a certain point. Um, there's also the, the birdcage. The birdcage could change up as well too. Uh, and there's, that's about it. There's not really a whole lot on the bottom or in, in that bottom area of the sloop that I can think of. Um, I mean, they might do something with the bed or there's a shelf above the bed that they might do something with, but I don't know. It doesn't even seem like it's a proper bed, to be honest. Uh, so I'm very curious to kind of find out, like, how is Captaincy going to look for sloopers, uh, for, for duo sloops and solo sloops? Is Captaincy really going to impact them compared to a galleon? A galleon has so much stuff in it. We've seen so much stuff in it from uh, the chandelier to the, the chairs and the tables, the, the shelving units. We've seen so much of that change uh, in the trailer so far. And I just don't see a an, an equivalent translation uh, from the galleon to uh, the sloop where there realistically is not a quote-unquote captain's area. So are they going to do things that will allow you to adjust different aspects of the sloop given that there's not an equilibrium between the galleon and the sloop as far as the customization features uh, for those, those captaincy things that we've seen change up? Um, something I'm really curious about, and, and I'm hoping that that's something that we'll find out in the future. Well, I'm, I'm sure we will find out in the future now that I think about it. I just want to know prior going into this what that's going to look like. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting um, was that Mike really emphasized the choosing your path and that the ship really is something that will embody who you are as a player and that the cosmetics for your ship will be the way that you represent that and that people will be able to see uh, your cosmetics and they'll be able to see your ship name. And the ship name is something that will appear on your, your crest. But then they talked about having banners, like the way that you uh, sail over to the uh, islands or the, when you run up to uh, the, the different trade companies like the gold hoarders. When you run up to a gold hoarder, it tells you what the gold hoarder uh, banner is and it pops up with that. Um, so you'll be able to actually see these things from afar. So you actually know who's who based on when you scope in with the spyglass uh, based on the island or not the island banners, but your your ship banners, which was kind of an interesting thing. And something that I wanted to, to touch on is that was a, a feature and I don't know how if I I don't know if I like the way there there's the way it's going to be implemented with these banners. I really did kind of hope it was going to be like a UI element that tied to the table, the map table that is, uh, so that once you scope in on a ship, uh, you'll see what the name is, and then that ship will be present for a certain amount of time on your map. And if they venture too far away from you, and you don't you don't look at them again at a certain amount of time, you know whether it be fifteen or thirty minutes, then you lose track of that ship you don't see the name anymore on there and they disappear from the map otherwise if they're in visual range then you scope in on them you see what their name is and then you can track them as a result and have an idea so that the map table will be kind of uh the way that you would kind of if if this were back during the days you would have a captain's log the captain's log would notate the ships that they would see uh on their bearings and in their location when they encountered them and what what uh, f uh kind of government they they represented all of that stuff was logged so it's something where i, I hope that that's uh, a way that they kind of have it tied to more than just like island or the the island banners that pop up uh because there's already a bunch of banners that pop up and stuff and, and we've already got accessibility tools built in to reduce those to streamline ones or slimline ones uh, or just remove them all together and a lot of people have just removed them altogether because most people know what the islands are based off of where they're at and, and what the islands look like. 
So very curious about that. Uh, they mentioned something that I, I really am curious how this is going to work out because they did mention uh, ship loadouts in the trailer, but they've talked about having multiple ships. And I assumed that that meant different saved loadouts for your ship. Uh, but from what it sounds like, it sounds like you are going to be buying ships and that the the actual captaincy theme, the captains of adventure theme that was from the trailer is going to be something that is kind of pared down and then used as background music for when you talk to the pirate lord to buy your first ship, uh, which makes me think that this is something that will be done in the pirate legend tavern um it's the only thing i can think of is is, is that you talk to the pirate lord uh you buy a ship from him and he you know he kind of walks you over to the ship that's in the uh, pirate legend tavern and it's your ship now you get to name it and then you get to do the cosmetics for it and all that stuff is down there and then you get to sail it out through uh the the waterfall that's that's kind of what i'm thinking it makes the most sense in my mind about how i would do it so that's that's kind of what i'm feeling but um maybe that is the way that you can load in your your captaincy ship since i know that that was a a goal back in the day that they wanted to have uh for captaincy uh, back when they were talking about it, they wanted to have you kind of sailing through that that waterfall, have you emerge into the world uh, in a very Goonies-esque style. And I really love that idea. But they did mention that the choosing, choosing your path would be tied to a ship. Uh, and that way you could have multiple ships and then multiple paths. Um, so I'm, I'm really kind of wondering, like, how the heck is this all going to work? Do you have to uh, unlock cosmetics for all of your ships at once or just for the ones that you're currently working on? Um, how is that going to work when you want to uh, transfer to a different ship? Like, what happens when you want to uh, switch up the progression of your ship? Like, are you able to change your ship loadout uh dynamically in game is that something that's even possible like we haven't seen that tech yet so i'm, I'm really kind of wondering like what if you want to work on multiple ship uh, uh cosmetics um through the system and and be able to unlock those somehow uh but do so in the same server is that even possible so really kind of curious there uh we did find out a little bit more about the sovereigns and i i thought this was a great way to kind of end off the actual podcast uh mike goes into the sovereigns and talks about how they're really kind of um uptight or or uh i i always think of the word posh uh but i think he said the word hoity-toity or something like that i can't quite remember what he said um, but it was something along those effects where they were very kind of upper crust uh upper echelon of of society you know they they have the most lavish things and you you can tell by the powdered wigs that they're wearing and stuff and i'm i'm looking forward to kind of meeting them and seeing what's going to happen with them because uh it seems like they are going to work exclusively with captains and if that's the case then that suggests that there's going to be a locking point uh something that you you cannot do um, right off the bat. This is not something that everyone's going to have access to. Uh, so I'm curious to know what the unlock process is for this. If it's if it's something like a quest line, or if it's just going to be related to gold, uh, or even doubloons in this case. I think doubloons would be a great way to kind of um, utilize that system to be able to buy cosmetics, to be able to unlock ships uh, in a way that is is not just tied to gold, because gold feels like such um, kind of the the base level of currency whereas doubloons are a little more uh, rare they're a little harder to get and a lot of people have them and I think this is a great opportunity for you to buy ships using doubloons as opposed to gold um, but finding out about the the sovereigns uh, there was mention about um, the way they look if I recall and that there there's uh, key things that kind of tip you off to to them being because apparently they are pirates who have been paid off um, which I'm assuming that this is a reference to the Grand Maritime Union. Uh, Grand Maritime Union uh, in the in the comics was something that was very kind of um, a higher echelon type of people. They they thought them so they thought well of themselves and they had the the gold to back it up uh, because they controlled most of the trade that went on in the Sea of Thieves as well or not the Sea of Thieves in the world, uh, but had always sought to get to the Sea of Thieves. And it makes me think that the sovereigns 
uh, were paid off by the Grand Maritime Union. They were uh, told to set up shop and get accustomed with the pirates and sea thieves, uh, but be but to be a little more um, uh, kind of picky about who they do business with. Uh, so I imagine that they will probably be doing business with the the trade companies and with the captains, and that they will talk to like leaders of the trade companies, obviously, because they got the. I don't know. Now that I think about it, they might just be taking all of that stuff that we turn into them out of the sea of thieves as well too i don't know how they feel i don't i don't know really how i feel about that though if they take it out because uh, right now most of the stuff that we turn in um like the merchant stuff that that leaves the sea of thieves um that's usually it some of it does not all of it but some of it definitely leaves the sea of thieves uh with order of souls order of souls everything goes to them and then everything they learn goes to the gold hoarders in the form of maps uh everything with the gold hoarders goes to the gold hoarder in the tribute peak and stuff so all of the dues and, and all of the payments and stuff get sent there um and then it, i think pirates take it out i don't i don't know how that cycle works eventually it gets removed and put back into the world or there's just an exorbitant amount of gold buried everywhere and we just for whatever reason it hasn't i i still don't quite know how that all works but um i will be very curious to find out if the sovereigns uh have any any clues that will give us uh direct ties to the um to the actual uh, Grand Maritime Union. In this case, I, I would expect to see some anchors and some uh, emblems that kind of give us uh, uh, clues to the Maritime Union and, and, and kind of tie them in uh, so that we understand kind of like who is the next big, big bad in the world. Like right now we've got we've got the brother in court. Um, and the Sisters of Mercy, we've got, uh, or the Sisters of Sorrow, I should say, um, and we've got the uh, Reaper's Bones and the Dark Dark Lord Duke with Flameheart and Stitcher Jim still kind of out there, um, but the Grand Maritime Union seems like the the civilized world coming into Sea of Thieves to put a stop to all the fun stuff that's going on, uh, which is just the general, you know, joyous, rambunctious kind of uh, kid-like uh, attitude towards piracy you know we're all having fun essentially and they're the ones that want to come in and establish order so i'm very curious to find out kind of how this is all going to work and i'm and i'm glad that they're uh saving it for the future but unfortunately due to the nature of what's going on and when this is getting released uh i'm going to be in england by the time this gets launched which means that next week's episode is actually going to be uh a a community uh, the Gold Hoarder one, that's actually going to be the, the next episode is the Gold Hoarder event, uh, where hopefully we'll have more information um, to, to be able to talk about that uh, so that we have something to talk about because I'm going to be gone uh, the last the last Saturday where we will have a Monday afterwards for that. So uh, it, we're, we're kind of having to shift schedule or I have to end up canceling the community event, which I understand is kind of a bummer to those that are, are supporting through the Gold Hoarder program they're the ones that are, are wanting to have those episodes and stuff and while it's not something that's necessarily promised to them in writing it is something that i want to do with them all right well on a more somber note let's talk about something that is not going to be coming to see thieves anymore and that is the notorious arena league the nal if you don't know who the these folks are they are some of the pirates that were uh setting up tournaments for arena crews uh during the time where arena was available as you know uh, arena shut down uh, earlier this year and they've been trying to, uh, to to try and do something that will keep the community alive um, without having custom servers and having servers that have the arena available to them it is extremely hard for them to be able to uh, continue to have access to the custom servers to be able to do events like this especially that arena is no longer a mode that they can access and because of that uh, it's really hard hard to justify keeping something going when you don't have the tools or or uh, support necessary to be able to have something like this happen with things like the uh, race of legends it's a lot easier because a custom server you designate the path that you travel you set up the obstacles that they have to overcome but it is all in game in the adventure world in arena you have arena if you don't have arena that's a little tougher so they put out a post today uh, that was tagging Sea of Thieves directly 
and it said, thank you for the years, uh, or thank you for the fun over the years. Players, thank you for your hard work and excellent skill. Rare was generous to give us a good three years, almost in comp uh, Sea of Thieves, or in competitive Sea of Thieves, and we loved every minute of it. Sorry it didn't work out for everyone. And this was just a little bit of what we, what I saw thanks to uh, some of the folks that were going out and getting different information uh, about this. Chenzo posted in chat uh, something that was pulled from, I believe, their Discord server. It says, hello, everyone. Over the past two and a half years, the Notorious Arena League has been serving the competitive community in Sea of Thieves. Our mission was to be a platform to grow the competitive spirit in Sea of Thieves, find out who the best teams and players are, and give them an opportunity to grow their team and brand on social media. After seven seasons for North America and five seasons for Europe and several off-season events, we have decided to resign from the affiliate alliance and stop all league ventures from here. This decision does not come easy, and we fought with everything we had to preserve and maintain the competitive spirit. At this point, however, the passion and drive that made NAL what it was has run dry. Or dry. We appreciate all of you who stuck with us after Arena closed and gave us the benefit of the doubt on the future of the NAL. We've seen all your hard practice and effort. This was a very hard thing to decide, and we ask for your understanding. We did not feel it was appropriate to keep it up without being able to give everyone a proper update. We've made so many friends and memories together. I hope we can focus on that as we reminisce on what we've built here. Thank you so much for joining us over the years to find out who the best teams and players were. We are grateful we got the opportunity to serve you. Much love to everyone. And it's a it's a bummer. It's a real shame. Um I just recently had this experience, but with something that was uh, a lot more closer to what I love, which is the competitive spirit for Heroes of the Storm. Um, they just announced that they are no longer going to be producing any content for uh, Heroes of the Storm. And as such, uh, all of the, the fan-based community events, the competitive side of that, that was uh, done from the community aspect has ceased. Uh, they are moving on to other things. They are doing other uh, projects. And even the podcasts that were covering the game still um, are, are changing. Uh, they are turning. They're, they're pivoting into something else. Um, I hope that the folks that played Sea of Thieves uh, in the NAL will still find a place in Sea of Thieves Adventure. Um, it's a shame that the competitive side of Sea of Thieves was so heavily uh, de dependent on Arena. Uh, and even after Arena, it was a shame that if unless you had a custom server, it was really hard to set things up. It's extremely hard to get multiple ships on a server. So having custom servers helped make that easier. But without the actual arena mode, which had a lot of the infrastructure and design around having a smaller play field for players to be able to uh, go in and actually set up these things to be able to compete, it's really, really tough to justify this. Um, I will say that custom servers are something that they are still working on something that they are still uh, looking to to um, bring to the community and uh, I saw a really nice uh, reply from Mike Chapman who is currently on vacation at Disneyland in uh, in Paris I believe um, and, and a lot of it came from uh, Captain EG or uh, in Inigo Zulute I have no clue how to say your name, E.G., and I'm sorry about that, but you know I love you. Uh, he said, uh, and actually I'm, I'm going to read through his whole his whole thread because it was a very good thread. Uh, Today we say goodbye to the Notorious Arena League, and while I was not a follower of the NAL, the reasoning behind them quitting is totally valid for anyone. I don't know if Rare realizes how important currently custom servers are. Like literally, I have a big list of stuff I'd love to do with custom servers. It's such a fundamental tool currently to create content for the game. Hopefully, by the end of the this year or next year, we could have some advancement in custom servers. Also, more transparency from Rare on this topic would be great. I know developing custom servers is very hard, but I believe we deserve some info. And that's from EG Gamer on Twitter. Uh, thank you, Captain EG. 
Uh, Mike responded to this and said, totally appreciate this. We're pushing hard. There's a lot of foundation work and technical challenges to overcome, but we're making progress. There is a bright future ahead, we hope, for custom servers, but that takes time. Appreciate everything NAL has done for Sea of Thieves. And he's not wrong. Uh, the NAL was one of the outstanding, out, outstanding communities out there that was pushing the community side for Sea of Thieves, the PvP side of it, in a fun, safe environment for people to be able to have a competitive nature. And losing that is a real shame, but it was a decision that Rare made to focus all their efforts on adventure, because at least with adventure, they could uh, allocate resources to drive and push the in-game uh, story as well as the the uh, uh, upgrades to the different things they want to do with the game through adventure and having having arena was uh, a really great test of what competitive esports would look like with sea of thieves unfortunately it didn't do as well as we hoped um, they didn't add enough modes to it to make it interesting. And with the added changes that came as a result of uh, tweaks to the combat system for player versus player, it really did kind of reduce the reliability and the, the stability of the game in Arena, which was a shame. Uh, I always was still a big fan of the original Arena. I wish they had kept it that way. I probably would have played more of that. Uh, it's a shame to see a lot of people who were fans of CS thieves and and probably still are fans leave the game as a result of this um i saw a couple people say that they weren't even aware of the nal and and that's a shame because they they poured their hearts into uh making content for sea of thieves at a competitive level a level that rare even tried to do with uh like uh, guardian con they they went to guardian con and had a tournament there they went to new york e3 and they had a tournament there and xbox uh xbox one x's were customs and uh, custom skins and they were given as prizes to the the winners of the uh tournaments that were at those events they they wanted uh arena to be big and and i think a lot of us did um and when covid came in it really did stop all conventions so conventions were kind of the main driver for them to to push engagement with it people could see like hey you know you've got 25 or 24 minutes or uh 15 minutes in a match and you have to try and do as much as you can to get as many points as you can and still deal with the other ships and stuff like that and that was a really it was a really amazing uh way to try and play sea of thieves in a way that most of us would would not really um engage with and, and that's a shame because i think there's uh, a lot to be said about how the arena side of sea of thieves helped honed in skills that you would not necessarily get uh because the crews that you typically faced in adventure would being a, a varied type of level of of uh, either commitment to the fight or just skill in in the game um, I do think that having uh, consoles uh, separated out so that you could have a preference really made a big difference in you know how good you feel about going into PvP, but I still think that there's a lot of work to be done to make the game feel like uh, PvP is a viable tactic because right now, I, if I'm being honest, and I talked about this a little bit over the weekend while we were uh, uh, streaming, um, I feel like hit registration is in a good place for cannons. When I shoot a shot and I use a cannon, I know that hit is going to make a hole. And I know that that hole will get bigger the more I hit it in the same spot. I don't know that all of my gunshots are going to register, especially with people DPI switching, uh, with people finding ways to, to get around things like, um, uh, you know, that plus just server latency, things like that. I can never really trust that the guns are in a good place. I will say that I have noticed a big change in stability. Stability has gone up really, really high. I think that the game is in, in its most stable. It's been in a long time, especially over the last year and a half. I haven't seen them dishing out uh, any more apologies for losing data, uh, especially given that the, the last time that we saw this was when they tried to give us the voyage that was uh, for the, the, the Maya Copa voyage, giving us the, oh God, I can't even remember how many it was, but it was like 40 captain's chests, which was a ridiculous 
a ridiculous uh, way of saying that we're sorry we lost the data uh, for when you were sailing. Here's a, a way for you to go try and make that up. Good luck. Um, I haven't seen any of those, and I haven't seen any messages about them having any data loss, which to me shows that they are fixing the problem, not trying to create a solution to remedy the, the, the fact that the problem isn't going away. And that's what I would rather see. I would much rather see them just fix the problem as opposed to uh, having a, a, a fix or a band-aid for the problem itself. Um, so I think they're there. I think they understand what they need to do for the game. I think they are getting to a good place with it. And I think that the content that we're getting, bear in mind, this is still season six. I think the content that we're getting is the best content that we've had since A Pirate's Life. I think that they understand what they want to deliver with each season. And they want to make sure that the season's uh, main features hit well, which is why they are delaying the season, which I've seen with Destiny. I've seen with uh, other games. They are willing to delay a season because they want to make sure that the content that is being produced is content that will hit well when it actually comes out that's exactly what all of us want we would much rather wait a little bit longer play something else or just work on other things in the game to uh till till the the content is actually ready till the content is actually polished and right now the content that i've seen has been pretty polished there's been a few issues with i think uh, shrouded deep we had the weird bug with the the ships flying around uh since that that update has moved on it's it hasn't been an issue i haven't seen any flying ships lately i've seen a, a, still a few bugs here and there i'm not saying the game is uh, devoid of any bugs but the the day-to-day -day play that i've had with the game has still been very solid and i haven't run into any major issues uh, sans the the death bug that's going on right now which if you don't know the death bug right now is a real bummer so if if you happen to die and you come back and you're completely without clothing and all of your emotes are missing log out of the game before you do anything and then log back in and most of the time you will get all of your clothing and your emotes and stuff back your titles and all that good chance all of your vanity stuff gets taken off all of your clothing gets taken off your title gets taken off all of your assigned emotes get taken off if you have that happen please 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 before you touch anything in any of the chests, log out, log back in, see if that fixes it. That's so far been the best advice I've seen. Uh, I had this happen to me. I was really annoyed by it because setting up 10 pages of radials for emotes is uh, exhausting. And I haven't gone back and do it to, to do it again because I, I really just don't want to have to spend that that 15 minutes to have to try and go through all of the different pages of emotes, set them all up on all the different radials. It's a really bad system. I wish I had a better way of designating it. And honestly, the fact that this bug is causing that is a, a, a real black eye on what has so far been a great update to uh, season six. So I'm hoping that that doesn't persist beyond the next couple of weeks when we get the next season and they're able to nip that in the bud, whatever weird kind of uh, recognition that is. And they've also had some interesting discussions around these respawn timers. Um, the respawn timers are about half of what they have been in the past. I, I want this to stay in. I like the shorter respawn timers. It gets me back into the game. I think it's an arbitrary number designed around the balance of how long it takes to sink a ship. I think if you're good, you can still sink a ship. I think if you're bad, you're going to run into a situation where you're not going to be able to sink them as easily as you as you had in the past. I Bear in mind, I play half on PC, half on Xbox. In fact, I probably play more on Xbox right now than I do uh, when I'm actually playing Sea of Thieves, I play mostly on my Xbox right now, and I have not had too many problems sinking ships, even with the faster respawn times. And in fact, I've appreciated the faster respawn times to get back to my ship so I have a better chance of actually saving it. So I hope they don't mess with that because I actually really like that. Please don't mess with it. And, and people will get used to it the way they got used to Barrel 2.0. And with that, I think that's about it for the stories that I really wanted to cover for Sea of Thieves. Um, next week's episode is going to be the community episode. I'm banking on the fact that we're going to get more information around captaincy as we get a week within the launch of it. Uh, so I'm hoping that they dive into that this week so we'll have something to discuss. Uh, I know a lot of folks have been playing on Insiders. Um, I plan on jumping into Insiders after this episode goes live. I want to take a look at what's going on in there i haven't 
I haven't been spoiled, but given that I'm going to be going to SOT Fest on the 21st, um, I want to be able to see at least an idea of what's going to happen before I have to go travel and I'm going to be away from my Xboxes because I'll probably have my laptop, but uh, I can't bank on being able to use the laptop to play Sea of Thieves. And because of that, um, I want to try and get some of the information there so that when I do go there, if I want to talk about it, I'm not going to be talking about stuff that I'm not familiar with because I hate doing that. Um, and I hate missing out on that kind of stuff as well, too. So uh, I'll be looking forward to kind of diving into this once I actually get a chance to check out the insiders. And with next week being a community episode, uh, it'll be a little easier for me to talk about and or to not talk about NDA stuff because it's it's mostly going to be about uh, what the community wants to talk about. It'll be kind of their episode to really talk about some of the, the topics they want to. So it's on them to kind of come up with what they want to talk about. And I actually dive into the NDA to find out what the heck's actually going on because I have not been spoiled on it outside of captaincy. Captaincy is the one thing that everyone's just kind of casually mentioned around me me uh when talking about what's going on and with me being under the nda obviously i'm not going to be talking about uh that but at least they know like i i'm in the know in the sense that i am legally <laughs> required not to talk about it uh outside of when we're actually in it so pirates that's going to do it for this episode thank you all for hanging out with me this week it was great to have an opportunity to dive into another episode of the see these podcast the official one uh, it was great to see james there again uh, i love having james on the podcast i love having john mcmurtry there and as always i love seeing uh mike john and joe kind of sit down to talk about uh see thieves it was a really fun episode if you haven't gotten a chance to go watch it i would recommend going to watch it just for the sake of being able to see uh john mcmurtry or no john mcmurtry's um i killed demarco shirt uh john mcfarland's um a reptile shirt animal print shirt which was hilarious uh the the almost you know water through the nose uh for for mike that was a great one uh also um the the accidental uh curse slip that slipped or the cuss that slipped out of uh joe um all of those things are really great to to kind of see when they happen and, and how they react i i love watching the devs because they feel like they're a big family they're they feel like they're a big group of, of friends that hang out on a regular day basis and they just happen to make a really good video game at the same time so that's going to do it if you want to get a hold of me there's plenty of ways to do that head over to twitter at c-a-p-t underscore l-o-g-u-n you can always email me at c-a-p-t l-o-g-u-n at gmail.com you can always reach me on xbox at captain logan uh, there are plenty of ways you can get a hold of me uh, that don't require trying to get information that I don't provide on a regular basis. If you don't know how to get a hold of me and you're listening to this, that means you haven't gone to the show notes because the show notes for every episode has had the same exact information on how to get a hold of me. And I'd really prefer it, honestly, and I'm speaking to one person in particular. If you're listening to this and you got a hold of me in a way that is not one of the ways listed in the show notes, I would really prefer if you don't. I would rather hear hear from you in a way that I present myself, which is the way that is socially acceptable on any of the platforms that I put myself out there on, and I'm on a lot of platforms, uh, to get in touch with me. So thank you for reaching out. Uh, don't, don't reach out the way you did in the future, okay? And with that, Pirates, and I apologize for the cryptic nature of that, but realistically, there's lots of ways to get a hold of me. I love talking to you guys about the game, um, but I prefer to do it on the mediums that, that I present myself on, not the ones that, that you have to hunt and, and find ways to get my information without my permission. So thank you to everyone who is listening, who understands what I'm going through. Uh, I will see you all next week on the Sea of Thieves.
Looking for an RPG podcast that isn't just D&D? Roll to cast is the answer. No, no, wait, sorry. What games have we played so far? Well, we've done Cyberpunk 2020. What does it mean? to have a voice. And there's going to be something big coming, Chumba. Hey, if you're listening, I won. I beat you. You suck. There was a time when we were slamming things against our phones and... <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade. Chloe, Sam? You can't use those words! He's going to grab Vincent, press him against the wall. I mesmerize him. This is Adelaide's Anarch movement. First out of your chair, your hand goes to your gun and you draw. Pulp Cthulhu. Told you I had it. Oh, we've all got the creeps going. I love it so much. Right there. Screechy child. <laughs> my favourite daughter. Maybe after what we just seen, we're feeling a bit trigger happy. And the new Cyberpunk Red. Babe, you're good, but better. Thought maybe you might be able to give me a counter-off. Straight through his neck. I don't see bone either, but I'm not gonna look. My leg's fine. I always knew you wanted to fly, kid. Come find me. Roll to cast. R-O-L-E. A new game every season. Original music. Original stories. Interviews with the creators. And delightful Aussie accents. Listen to us on all good podcatchers. Even support us on Patreon for bonus content. That's Roll to Cast. R-O-L-E. Come discover a new world. Are you interested in starting a podcast, but you don't know how to get started? Are you concerned that your podcast just isn't reaching the audience that you're trying to reach? Well... This is Robots from the Robots Radio Network, and I have a podcast for you. It is the Podcast Creator's Guide. You can check it out here at robotsradio.net on any podcatcher and listen every week for quick tips and updates for how to get you started and growing your podcast even faster. Check it out today. The Podcaster's Creator's Guide.